You're listening to Access to Accessibility with David Moore. From the Day Space Podcast Network, this show was recorded for Tri-C Radio, the, the voice of Cuyahoga Community College. Now on to the show. You're listening to Access to Accessibility with me, David Moore. This is episode one, and this is a show where um, I take a look at accessibility. Now, the thing about this is this is going to be my single mic show, the show that I do by myself with a mic in front of my face. And that's a little bit of a different experience for me, but so is a lot of other things in my life. For example, I, um, I'm i going to be completely honest with you, and here's why I want to do this show. I am visually impaired. I am on the borderline of legally blind. Growing up, I experienced a lot of tools to help me cope with my vision, get through education, and other things. And I wanted to do a show about it. Now, let me let me explain what caused this disability to be completely sure that this is, you know... Look, I can lie, and I've met people who have this opinion that disabilities are... Um, diagnosed on properly and a lot of people who claim they have disabilities do not now i am a a college student i grew up in accessibility accessible classes if that's a word anyway so when i was two years old i uh, decided that eating was probably not the greatest idea in the world for some reason this ended up leading to a seizure that I ended up in the hospital and a portion on the left side of my head of my brain uh, turned gray in their scans, meaning that part of my brain is dead. Now, what that meant in 1994 versus what it means now was very um, unsure. And because I was so young, Doctors were not entirely sure what the issue was could have been. I am very lucky to say that mainly my vision is the biggest issue that I um, received. You normally use the word received in a positive way, but you know, is the only uh, issue that I ended up having. Now, I could have had a lot of other things. Doctors said that I couldn't have walked. I might have never learned how to talk properly. Um... But now, being about 20 years old, I have learned a lot over the last couple of years. Now, when, when, when you have a disability, you get put as, you get an assigned a vision teacher. Now, for in, in my case of being visually impaired, I got assigned a vision teacher. Now, this woman is an amazing woman, and if she was willing, I would most likely hope to get her on the show. But she uh, ended up teaching me from kindergarten up until very recently until I graduated high school and at first you would you know meet with this person every single day and the things that you would do would she would take colors and see if I was adept in colors she would test my memory to see if I could remember the objects that they were showing me or she spent the amazing amount of time to learn how to tie my shoes when you can't see laces. See, now, see, these are the things that people take for granted. Is simple things that you could do 
are not always the same exact simplicity for me. Now, I don't mean to sound like I am trying to get sympathy here, okay? I am very capable at other things. For example, this show is something that I've done completely on my own. And, you know, if you were completely blind, honestly, there'd be ways to learn how to do this show. And these are the things that impress me about technology and accessibility and the things that come out in technology. Without these things, these some people wouldn't have the experiences that they do. I've grown up and in these after you go through the basic stages, you start to be put in classes with other kids who are around the same level as you. Now, this is this is to avoid embarrassment. Now, I am a very open person, and I am willing to uh, explain things, and nobody should be ever afraid to ask me anything about my disability. The only time that I get offended with it is when you say it doesn't exist, or that you think that I am just as capable as anybody else in certain things. <sighs> now, you get put in the classes with the kids that are around your same level to avoid embarrassment. Now, this embarrassment for me um, comes with reading. Now, I am not a fluent reader. Now, what that means is not that I can't read. It does not mean that I can't read at all. I am very capable of reading. Does it mean that I am capable of reading out loud and letting my eyes track the paper? No. No, that is not going to happen. Sadly, it, it does hurt to, you'd be the kid, now this is an example I'd use, is Billy Madison, where Billy Madison makes fun of the kid for reading in the movie. If everybody's seen that movie, if you haven't, it's a great movie, you should go see it. Anyway, he makes fun of a kid for trying to read and stumbling over every word. Now, it might not be the little third grader who can't read, but I was, I am still the 20 year old adult who... If you said, read this aloud, I'd have to go either really slow or my embarrassment takes over and I feel uncomfortable to read aloud. And because I am comfortable and open to admit things, I am willing to tell you and explain to you that this is not something I can do. But for example, I spent a year or two doing broadcasting now that includes being the talent. Can I read a TriCaster? No. But can I direct the show? Yes. Can I run the graphics? Yes. Can I run the soundboard? Yes. Can I run the switcher? Yes. Can you run the cameras? Yes. Can you be the in-studio director? Yes. Now, can I read the teleprompter? No. But I am totally willing to do extra work of everything else that I am better at. Now, some people take that as unfair, and I don't think that's unfair. I think... Maybe if you had the same issue, maybe you would feel a different way about it. Now, I don't want this show to come off as like I am trying to, you know, assume that I'm worse at things. No, I am old enough to understand that I am better at certain things than others and that everybody is. Now, something about this is I grew up and when I started learning how to write, which is one of the things you start with a vision teacher... I started by writing with black Sharpies, Sharpie markers, the big thick ones, you know, the ones that you buy to draw fake tattoos on yourself or whatever you choose to do with Sharpie markers, not hinting at anything. Um, the thing is that those, those things are ridiculous. I had papers large to two and a half times the size of a normal paper, okay? 
and that would be a whole other show about how we can make these things better. But anyway, no, I want to explain that as I grew up, I learned how to adapt. I grew up and I said, no, I'm sick of these giant papers. They're too much. It's too complicated. It's making me stressed out. It's too unorganized. It's too weird to fold papers in half so you can only see half of what you're looking at and half the papers all look the same to me because I can't tell the difference between them that quickly. So I said, give me normal papers and I will learn to cope with it. Now, this was the first step. I continued using Sharpie markers and then... I said, no more Sharpie markers because they get all over my hands. My hands are turning black. They got lines all over them. I said, no more. I'm going to accept that I don't want to be made fun of for using markers, so I want to use pens. Only pens. And even to this day, I probably still use pens, except that we type everything now. Now, once you hit about fourth or third grade, you start to learn cursive. Now, cursive is a complicated, different form of writing. Now, not not to say that you can't learn it, and I, I embrace anybody who can, but with tiny little curves and details, that many little details makes it hard to comprehend when your vision is not so great. So, I said, I can't learn this. I worked my hardest. I would not have passed third or fourth grade, whatever it is, when you learn cursive. If cursive was that important, I spent the time writing all the letters. But when it came down to it, if you asked me to read cursive, I am doomed. Even to this day, I will admit that I am completely doomed to read cursive. And, you know, if you say something nicely that you can't read it, usually some people are nice enough to say, okay, I'll write print. Some teachers, or I shouldn't say teachers, but people because plenty of people do it, is you say, I can't read cursive, and they're like, well, sucks to be you, and it's like, well, you know, there are some real reasons behind it, and it's not to say, and this is this is why I want to do this show, is to explain to you, to explain to everybody that disabilities are a real thing, and I also want maybe somebody with disabilities to listen to the show and realize that we can all do something better, and we can all learn something from each other. You know, there's no way to, there's no reason to give up. I would never embrace giving up, but work your hardest and you can accomplish things. I went from Sharpie markers to pens and after that, I said I can't write cursive and my handwriting's not getting any better because for my brain can't comprehend writing the letters as quickly as my head and it's, you know, it's it's rough. And I said, I could type everything probably fine and I learned how to type now. Another thing that happened from the seizure is that my hands um, choose not to move in the way that most people do. If most people try to move their pinkies dependently of their other fingers, they can. Now, I, on the other hand, probably can't. So, typing on a keyboard the proper way is not uh, doable. I learned how to type my own way, and, you know... It's fast enough. It keeps up. Uh, it's reasonably. It's not. I've seen. I've seen worse. But typing is kind of just something that you memorize. It's the same way when you get a new phone. You got to memorize the keyboard. You know. It, you you learn how to do things. And this is another thing about this is repetition re- makes everything better that can be. If you say I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this and 
maybe maybe you don't have the strength to try it and try it and try it until you just can't do it anymore. But maybe you have the strength to try it, maybe put it down, pick it back up again. You you will get it. And I, and I know that us with disabilities or other people who have just no no disabilities at all, some things are just really hard for individuals. And it's not anything wrong with you. It's just, you know, it's not you. Everybody is good at something. And with a disability, you start to learn that. Now, after not being able to handwrite, I said, let me type everything. Now, in the night in 2000, probably two, the thing we had was called an Alpha Smart. Now, an Alpha Smart was a green keyboard with a with a very thick thing that ran on double bay batteries that had a very difficult screen to read that I could read but not well. And you would type everything and then you'd plug it into the computer via USB cable and hit send on the on the Alpha Smart and it would type it into a Word document for you, and then you could print it out. Now, this is a convoluted, ridiculous way of working. And this is another thing that I found with accessibility things like CCTVs or, you know, the the things are not always optimized for the individual. And maybe it's a personal preference, but I've started to pick up on my own way of format now. And AlphaSmart is like the early iPad now. Those who have seen an Alpha Smart, and if you haven't, Google it. Uh, <laughs> calling it a, a, a past iPad is ridiculous, but it's it really is. Is the iPad is a tool that I adopted in early high school. Now, another thing I'd like to mention is that due to fear of um, not being able to pay attention. Some school districts and others believe that the iPad is just a pure distraction device. For those individuals who are using it as a tool, it is an amazing tool. And I would never, ever be able to do what I do now without my iPad. And it is an amazing tool. And I would embrace any form of technology that is so accessible as Apple does. Now, after after moving through that, I had... I I had these giant stacks of paper. Once you hit high school, you have these insane amounts of work that just pile up. You have notes from the entire year piled up. And these things, when you're visually impaired, is it's really hard to comprehend what everything is because it takes you a longer time to process what everything is individually. And so I had these giant folders full of papers that were just completely disorganized. And meeting with my vision teacher became... Let's organize what you've gotten the last week. Let's organize what you've gotten this week. And it was just too rough and insane. And I said no. And then I picked up that iPad and I said, This is the greatest thing ever. And I had to fight. Now this is this is this is this is what I want to do. This is I had to fight to prove that the iPad was a very accessible, useful tool to me as an individual. And I don't think it's fair that I had to argue to prove that something I said was helping me, making my paper load less, making me able to comprehend things, making me able to organize things and not have it all in front of you all at once. When you fill a bag up with papers, it's, it's, it's not, you can't look at it. You could only organize things into accordions or folders so much is there's still 10 folders there. Now, when you take an iPad screen and you say, well, if I put everything on this one screen, 
and I put it on this this home screen, and then I slide over, and then all this stuff is gone. You start to be able to look at less at the same time. Also, you can make an iPad read to you or a Mac computer, and with things like Siri, you can start dictating, which means you know typing isn't an issue for those who can't comprehend typing, who can't see. There's a voiceover which lets you touch things and see. It'll you touch it and it'll tell you what you're touching. The truth of the matter is, is these tools to me are so 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 amazing, and nobody could tell me that these things aren't it aren't so usable for any individual. Now, I would be able to argue. Yes, the other opposite side is that you could waste this time playing Bad Piggies or playing Angry Birds and. If you are an individual who can't concentrate, maybe that's not so good. But then, let's 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 take another way of doing this. Is the iPad is completely intuitive, and nobody could argue that that any touchscreen feels like you're painting, and with features that will let you lock an app in, so that's the only thing you can do. This would be extremely useful for somebody who can't concentrate, who can't pay attention to what they're doing. If they can only do one thing it eliminates a bunch of other distractions and because it's so fun to use it draws your attention it keeps you motivated to keep working look some people may claim that the ipad putting you in one app is is frustrating and that because you can't have multiple windows open it's hard to get work done i would disagree because now that i can't have twitter open facebook open uh farmville even though i don't play it and five other windows open, I am concentrated on one thing. I had this discussion with somebody talking about this, that having multiple windows on the iPad is a a bad idea because it eliminates a feature to the device, is is that having that one individual thing to concentrate on is is a benefit to you because you are able to concentrate on one thing. It brings your attention to this one subject at this one time, and that's... Something that we're all moving towards is all all devices are moving towards this this full screen experience. Look, this technology is amazing to me, and how we move forward, all of it, the accessibility tools that they show you in in the doctor's office is the fancy equipment that costs two million dollars. Look, all this stuff is is interesting and amazing, and to talk about it and discuss, you know, look questions I get like all the time are like. How do you see? What are your divisions? I've never took the time to break that down. Maybe maybe formulate my own thought and opinion on it and then maybe possibly doing a half hour show discussing how, how it actually seems to me might actually make me able to be able to explain it to an individual. Like a doctor, every time you go like once a year to go get a vision checkup, you get asked like, How's your vision? What's it like? Because it's always a different doctor. They want to know what your vision's like to help you. And explaining it and breaking it down is kind of complicated because being an individual who can't see so well, you don't really know how to compare it because you can't compare it to what seeing perfectly is. And that's usually my answer is, I don't know. I can't compare it to what what a individual is supposed to see. So therefore, to me... My vision is fine. This is what I've had my whole life, and this is this is how I see the world. 
I wanted to do this show to break some of these things down and talk about the tools that have helped me throughout my life. And look, here's, here's, here's the truth of it is maybe discussing things that I accomplished, things that I wanted to make a hobby out of. I said, look, this is a struggle for me. This is something that I, as a, as a person, I want to have this interest or I want to be able to experience things that other people get to because I want to be able to be involved. And, you know, there's really no reason I can't be. It's just maybe the approach to the way that I participate in these things is a little bit different. You know, I took this this radio class to learn how to make radio shows. And I said, you know... I've learned to make videos, I've learned to make, like, movies and things, even though, despite not being able to see everything, so why not give a shot at, you know, learning some audio equipment, see if, see if there's a passion in it for me, and I fell in love with it. The, one of the amazing things about this, this radio thing to me is that even if I were completely blind, I almost think I could probably still do this. I might be able to screw up because I might not see the waveforms being recorded onto the screen or be able to level check, but I can hear and check and I can feel the knobs where they should be if I've memorized the technology. And another interesting thing about vision loss is you start to memorize how to do things. You learn a sense of this is how this works. This is, these are the, these are the little twinges. And I'm sure that a person without a disability, without a vision loss does the same thing is you start to memorize the buttons on the remote or you start to memorize. Now, this is probably another example is I can't read the TV guide off the TV. So I pretty much learned what's on when it's on, what channel it's on and that's not a bad thing. You start to pick up on what you need to know on your own. And that's not, it's not really different. It's just, you know, you probably start to memorize your cell phone keyboard. It's probably something that you've gotten used to. Something that, something that you could probably do without looking at it. But it's the same thing. But when you're relying on your vision less it's something that you start to starts to matter if you throw a drastic change at me it's a little bit nerve-wracking just a little bit more than what i think some other people might think um back to the radio subject is i realized that i could probably do the show completely blind if for whatever reason i were to lose my vision completely i feel comfortable that with that with this computer in front of me and my current setup, I could feel my way to setting it up, make it work, get going, and still record my show on my own. And, you know, things things that impress me like that is it's, it's amazing what we can do if we push ourselves. If you try to, you know, say, go blindfold yourself for a day and see how different your life is it's 
it's a different experience uh, to maybe break your arm for a day and then you realize what it, or for whatever time your arm takes to heal you realize that your arm is really important you start to appreciate what you have and what you don't have and you learn to cope with change or lack of use of something it it is is really really specific and you learn to realize that certain things are more important than you think and look this this show is something that i i I'd love to answer questions of people i want to go into how to use use some of these features into great detail and discuss them this show is something that i want to be roughly about a half hour which is where we are at and I know I've only touched the surface and I've probably come off as a person who's trying not to, who's trying to come off as kind of a uh, pity, maybe, maybe is the emotion that it seems like I might have been going for, but it is not. It is to show you that as everybody has, has a skill and if it's what you want to do, you can do it and Letting something hold you back is not worth, it's not worth letting you hold you back. Move forward at everything that you can and then try to do the things. Just never give up. Look, that's, that's, that's really what I'm trying to say here is, is everybody is capable of everything if they try. And look, you might say that no, and everybody's not, but look, if, if you have the urge or the want to do something, you can't. Another story I'd like to tell before I sign off and say goodbye is that I grew up again with the other people with disabilities and I know somebody who was completely blind and he said to everybody that he wanted to learn how to ski and skiing down a mountain that you can't see is probably pretty hard. Now just out of my curiosity I kind of walked over and watched him being instructed on how to ski down the mountain. And it's amazing that he would take all this information as he would get the the slope, the the amount of distance that was estimated between the side of the mountain and the other side and where he was. And they would explain how fast they would probably be going. And they would call out, you know call out you know words they had associated with certain things like turn left you know they would just yell left or right or whatever whatever it would be that they would know the communication skills to ski down a mountain completely blind and that's look that is extremely impressive to me and for for able to say his name I would but I hadn't gotten his permission and I wouldn't like to embarrass him or anything but he is an inspiration to I think he should be an inspiration to everybody is if you can learn how to do something like that without the ability to see it, it, it it's pretty impressive and this show I just want to discuss these things try to break things down explain to people you know normal people what accessibility really is it's not it's not an unfair advantage when they get something that they are entitled to because they need it it's it's something to help them be on the same level and be able to 
participate in what every other individual is doing. So I want to end the show here. I know it's a little bit rough. This is the first test episode. My name is David Moore, and this is Access to Accessibility. This show was originally recorded for Tri-C Radio, the voice of Cuyahoga Community College. This show is brought to you by the Day Space Podcast Network, which is my network, full of other shows like Character Crunch and Lane to the Future. The website where you can find that show is www.dayspace.com. That's D-A-C-E-S-P-A-C-E. And those shows are very fun and entertaining and a little bit more entertaining than my growling stomach that I can keep hearing in my headphones. I'm going to go get some food and I will be doing episode two of Access to Accessibility soon. I hope to hear you again here on Tri-C Radio.